0: Thank you very much. And we're looking uh, today at Luke 6, and we're uh, looking at, um, from, from verse 37. So Luke 6 from verse 37, and uh, it's on page 1044, which is in the blue Bibles and the chairs just in front of you, but it's also going to come up on the screen. So Luke 6 from uh, verse 37. Jesus says, "'Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven.'" Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? Students are not above their teacher, but all who are fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say, friend, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from the other person's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't put figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. Good people bring good things out of the good stored up in their hearts. And evil people bring evil things out of the evil stored up in their hearts. For out of the overflow of one's heart, the mouth speaks. I want to talk today about how to judge less and love more. I don't know about you, but I find one of the most frustrating things in life is when people judge me. Maybe it's because of the way I speak. I either speak too well or I don't speak well enough or my background or my upbringing or the way I carry myself. And they assume because of something about you, they look at you and they make assumptions about you. Or maybe it's because of a mistake you've made or something you did in your past, maybe years ago, or a failure which you've experienced. And because of that, people can judge you. They can write you off. And it feels so unjust. You feel your spirit rising up within you. Like, who are they to judge? It's one of the most frustrating things in life. But speaking personally, I also find one of the hardest things in life is not judging others. I, I I know it's the wrong thing to do. I know it's not a great idea. But it's almost like I can't help myself. I form judgments about people the whole time based on their appearances, their manner, what they say, how they act. And actually, some of those judgments that we form, are—you know, they're vital. They kind of help us survive and thrive. It's really important that we have good perception and that we have insight. But so often, our judgments slip into judging people. And we can write people off. I remember doing a, a series of interviews uh, when I was a barrister with a very senior barrister and, and, and I handed him the assessment form for the interview. And he said, what's this? And I said, oh, it's what we use to, to assess people after the interview so we know how well they've done. He said, I don't need that. I've decided if I like someone by the time they sit down. I said, like, oh, <laughs> but we're doing it all the time. We're always forming these perceptions and judgments about people. But how can you do that? How can you act with insight without judging people? How do we judge less and love more? And Jesus speaks about this in this passage and what he says is brilliant. It has the potential to transform every one of our lives and to transform the whole of our lives. It has the potential to transform our relationships and transform the people around us. And the first thing he says in this passage is to know your limitations, Jesus starts this passage by giving us two ways to treat people, two ways to approach people. You can be judging and condemning of others, or you can be generous to and forgiving of others. It's almost like what lens do you see people through? Are you going to be positive or negative? Are you going to be harsh or generous? Jesus says, don't judge, don't condemn and it's such an important issue for our generation in our culture because on the one hand we see what jesus says here don't judge and we think yes we don't like judgment we don't like people judging us great that's really well said jesus really well spoke Uh, but on the other hand a lot of the way we speak a lot of our public discourse what happens in the media and on social media basically involves judging others we make snap judgments about people's whole lives in seconds. Is this someone I like or dislike? Are they good or bad? Are they a great person or a terrible person? Should they be celebrated or condemned? And on social media, our kind of distance from people and our relative anonymity makes it even more tempting. And it feels like there's a bit of an inconsistency because we know we don't want to do it, but we end up doing it. We know we don't want to condemn people as judgmental, but on another level, we actually feel deeply that we need to have the freedom to be able to say, the way that person has treated those people is wrong. It's wrong. The way that person has acted is wrong. It shouldn't happen. That behavior shouldn't happen. And what's fascinating in this passage is that Jesus says, don't judge, don't condemn, but then straight away Jesus calls them hypocrites. So is he judging and is he condemning? He says, don't judge, don't condemn, but then he says it's really important that you can distinguish between good and evil. Is it inconsistency? No, it's brilliant. Because there's two ways you can use judging. There's two ways you can understand that. The first is to uh, sit in judgment over people, to think you're high and they're low, to look down on them and judge them as a person. And the second is just exercising a good discernment, making a good decision about something that's going on. And Jesus says, don't do the former, but you need to do the latter, Do discern the difference between right and wrong, but don't be judgmental of another person. So why is Jesus so keen that we stop judging other people? Well, Jesus cares how you treat people because it reveals something about how you see yourself. It reveals something actually about the state of your heart. When you judge others, you don't define them, you define yourself. And Jesus is warning, he warns us, you're never closer to being a hypocrite than when you judge others, when you write someone off because of their behavior, a flaw or a mistake. Why is that? It's because we're inconsistent. So, we tend to judge others by their negative actions, but we judge ourselves by our positive intentions. We tend to attribute our behavior, our negative behavior, to our particular circumstances, but we tend to attribute other people's behavior to flaws in their character. We tend to be very good judges for the mistakes of others and very good defense lawyers for our own mistakes. Why is that? Well, part of the reason is that our knowledge is limited. When I uh, worked as a barrister, I I defended people accused of crimes. And actually, over the years I worked, I defended hundreds, maybe over a thousand people uh, accused of criminal offences. And it's great to see so many of you here today. And... uh, Actually, I defended a number of people who were kind of famous or celebrities in some way or another. And one particular person, I defended someone who was a famous singer. She was a kind of A-list, high-profile person. Um, I'd love to tell you her name, but I can't because I'd be sued and I don't have any money anymore. So uh, <laughs> that wouldn't work very well. Uh, but, but she was quite young and her lifestyle had been represented a certain way. In the media, in certain aspects of the media. You don't need much imagination to think about what that looks like. And so when she was arrested, when she she was charged, everyone assumed she was guilty. The police were convinced she was guilty, the prosecution were convinced she was guilty. This is just how young celebrities act. And she was adamant she hadn't committed this offence. But she said, I'm innocent. But all we had was her word, and there was a bit of evidence going the other way. And we had been pushing the prosecution to give us some of their files so we could just check that there wasn't anything that might exonerate her, might anything that might show, her, show us that, that she was innocent. And they were resisting and resisting and resisting. And then on the morning of the trial, literally half an hour before the case started, they came up to me and they said, uh, Oh, here's what you've been asking for. So I was there, half an hour before the case started thinking, what? How do I? So I was kind of leafing through these papers, trying to find, oh, thinking, you know, 15 minutes ago, I've got to get in court in a second. Is there anything here helpful? Anything here? Just going through it, going through it, going through it. And then suddenly I came across this document, and I kind of pulled it out. And I had to read it three times. I was like, she's innocent. Because this document had something on it that proved conclusively that she couldn't have committed the offence they had charged her with. It was absolutely and undeniably clear. She was innocent. So I kind of thought, oh, I'm not going to photocopy this. I don't want to lose it, get it you know, tangled up in a machine. So I kind of, what do I do? So I kind of ran into the court. There was just a minute to go before the judge came in. I went over to the prosecutor. I waved it in his face. And I said, look, she's innocent. And he kind of took a step back. Um, and then I said the same to the judge in a slightly more polite way. And uh, and, and, and actually, she was acquitted there and there. And we came out of court, and she was just full of joy. And she thanked me in the way that a young uh, celebrity can only do. Uh, she goes, yes, my barrister, give me a high five. And so I was there with my wig and my gown, kind of awkwardly went like that. Um, it was great. Uh, but what was interesting? What I found interesting was that they'd formed a judgment about her based on what they'd heard about her. They didn't know her. They didn't know all the facts concerning her life. And actually, the one piece of information they needed to see was already in their possession. They had it. But because they'd formed to judgment already, they couldn't see the significance of that document. They couldn't see it. And often when it comes to people, we form a judgment on them based on what we can see and then that blinds us to seeing the whole person. And actually, the things we don't know, the knowledge we don't know, we just fill in the gaps based on our own prejudice. So often that is the case. But we don't know enough to judge. We don't have enough knowledge about people to judge. I wonder if ever in your whole life you've had this conversation with someone. You've gone up to them and you've said, oh, hi, how are you doing? uh, I just wanted you to know something. I'm actually starting to to judge you and to form an opinion about you, which is quite negative. Um, I think you're kind of a proud, quite unpleasant, full of it kind of person. Um, but before I form that final judgment, uh, I'd just like to give you an opportunity to speak for yourself. You know, There might be something you want to say that I need to bear in mind, some mitigating factors. I mean, I'm assuming you had some kind of difficult childhood. Um, <laughs> That it's tough for you at home right now. That your boss is unkind to you. There's a lot of stress at work. I mean, there must be some reason why you behave the way you do, uh, <laughs> and maybe, maybe maybe you've got some deep insecurity you're not aware of. I don't know what it is, but I just want to give you an opportunity to say before I judge you. So I've got all the facts. Have you ever had a conversation like that? No. We form a judgment. And then we see everything that comes after it as backing that judgment up. But we don't know enough to judge. We rush to judgment without the full picture. So know your limitations. But then secondly, find your blind spots. Now, we all have blind spots. Blind spots which obscure how we see others and blind spots which obscure how we see ourselves. And the problem with blind spots is we don't know they're there. You can't see them. And Jesus says the problem with judging is not only there's so much you don't know, but there's so much you can't see. And even what you can see is obscured by your blind spots. You can't see well enough to judge. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's, your sister's eye, and pay no attention to the plank of wood in your own eye? So it's almost what Jesus is saying. You know, why, why, it's, like, it's like you're there and you're coming up to someone, and you're saying, oh, just a minute, I can see something. No, 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 come come a bit closer. Stop moving around. I'm just going to get it out of your eye there. Oh, so sorry. Uh, I'll try again. Okay. I mean, it's silly, isn't it? But that's often what we do. Our vision, we've got a blind spot. Our vision is obscured, but actually we're trying to help other people with their problems. And Jesus says you've got no hope trying to point out other people's faults, when you're blind to your own. And here's the thing. The fact you have blind spots not only obscures your ability to see others clearly, it also makes it more likely that you focus on other people's faults. Because the quickest way to forget your own faults is to focus on others'. And actually, you're more likely to be judging and condemning if you're blind to your own faults. So the probability of you judging another person increases as your competence to judge another person decreases. And it's so dangerous. Because not only can you not see their faults right, you're more likely to make huge mistakes as you try and help them Because your vision is obscured. It means you don't have the gentleness, the insight you need. The fact that you're not aware of the plank in your own eye is more likely to make you harsh in the way you go about trying to help others. You're more likely to leave the kind of relational carnage, rouse, all that kind of stuff as you try and help others. And the solution, Jesus says is that your faults, your faults should loom much larger in your own mind than the faults of others. And Jesus says, take careful note of your own faults before trying to sort out the faults of others. And sometimes we get it the other way around. Like we, we kind of go around with our little magnifying glasses and we see so clearly what other problems people have. We, oh, I see that person's issue so clearly. I'm so wise and insightful. Um, I can tell you just what their problems are and we kind of go around looking at it. And um, we actually spend quite a lot of time, we think we're examining others so closely, see their faults so, so clearly. But next time you think about judging, it's almost as if what Jesus is saying is, put down the magnifying glass and pick up the mirror. Pick up the mirror. Because for every five looks at people with a you know, you should be taking 50 yourself with a mirror. Because sometimes what you think you see so clearly in other people, the only reason you can see it is because it's also present in yourself. But you're never going to see it unless you take a look at yourself And actually, the easiest way to forget the faults of others is to remember your own. Well, what does that look like? Well, I used to work with a a guy, a great guy, and uh, enjoyed working with him, got to know him really well. But actually, the closer I got to know him, the more I thought, this guy's actually quite proud. I just formed that judgment about him and judged him for being proud, if I'm honest. And... Because I had formed that judgment, I started to see, underpinning all his behavior that used to irritate me or annoy him, was the fact he was proud. Oh, he's just a proud person. That's why he behaves like that. He's just proud. That's why this happens. He's just proud. That's why there's been this dispute. He's proud. That's why this has been a problem. And I probably don't need to tell you, but I was actually quite a humble guy. And um, so I thought there was a big difference between us. And actually, if I'm honest, I was quite proud of the fact that I was so much less proud than he was proud. And uh, I was thinking, how are we going to... How? It's how, so irritating, it's so annoying the way he is. What am I going to do about it? And I prayed, actually. And as I was praying, it was almost like the Spirit of God held a mirror up to me. And I suddenly realized, the only reason I can see his pride so clearly is because I am proud myself. And I might express it in a slightly different way. I might not be as brash as he is but I have just as much a problem with pride. And so I said, rather than judging him, I said, Holy Spirit, I need your help. Would you show me my pride? Would you help me with my pride? Would you make me more humble? And I tell you, the Spirit did that, and it transformed our relationship. Because I wasn't reacting against his pride the whole time. I had a new compassion for him. I was gentle with the way I spoke to him, because I was more aware of my own flaws. The clearer you see your own faults the more forgiving and generous you will be to other peoples know your limitations find your blind spots but also take a lead now you might think at this point what Jesus is saying is you have no hope of seeing yourself clearly of seeing other people clearly so don't try any of this You know, if you judge, you're going to be judged. If you condemn, you're going to be condemned. So the safest option, don't try and discern what's right or wrong. Don't try and make a difference to people's lives. Don't try and help anyone else with their issues. The safest option is just to back away from everyone in your life slowly and mind your own business. You do you. Leave other people to do them. Just back away. But when Jesus said this, it's interesting. Mirrors weren't readily available, and those that were available weren't that great. And if you had something in your eye, you needed someone to help you. And Jesus didn't say, take, take the plank out of your own eye so then you can stop being a hypocrite and then just sit still and don't do anything else wrong. No. Not being a hypocrite, that's a good place to start. But you were made for much more than that. Jesus said, stop You take the plank out of your own eyes, so that you can see clearly, to take the speck out of your brother's eyes. Jesus anticipates that we will help each other, and he wants us to be precise in our perception and gentle in our engagement, so that we can do that well. And it makes sense. I mean, we don't want to judge other people for their decisions, the way they act, but it's not loving to be entirely disinterested either. Not to help each other. Love isn't just unconditional approval of every single decision a person takes. Sometimes love asks difficult questions. Sometimes love gently challenges. Sometimes love helps people who are trying to deal with their flaws, their issues. It takes a lead. Rather than just, Jesus says, if you're blind and, and you're leading someone who's blind, you're both going to end up in a pit. But if you've got some measure of sight, that doesn't mean you just take a step back and watch someone fall in a pit. No, you lead them, you help them, you guide them. And here's the thing. the more, like, the more You're more likely to judge harshly, the less competent you are to judge. But you're less likely to judge, the more competence you have to do it. The more aware you are of your own flaws, your own blind spots, your own issues, the more reluctant you're going to be to challenge or help another person because deep down you think, yeah, who am I? I'm dealing with my own stuff. So the danger is you have people who should not be judging, doing lots of it, and people who have some kind of capacity and competence and wisdom to help people backing away from it because they're so aware of their own issues. It's interesting. When I was at college, uh, I... I was going through a period in my life where basically I would turn up at church on a Sunday, but then the rest of my life, Monday to Saturday, if I'm honest, I tried to live a life which was as indistinguishable as possible from everyone else's. So I tried to act in such a way that no one could ever mark me out as a follower of Jesus. I just, I just didn't want to go there. So I was quite happy with my faith being kind of partitioned over here, and the rest of my life carrying on as if nothing had changed. And there was a girl I knew called Becky, and she very gently, very kindly, very compassionately came up to me one day and said, Stephen, uh, you do realize that if you keep your faith in a box, you're never going to be able to help anyone. Just said it so kindly, so warmly, that I walked away and I said, how dare she judge me? Who does she think she is? Coming with her judgment. She doesn't know anything about my life. She doesn't know where I've been. She doesn't know what I've lived with. She doesn't know my relationships. How dare she come and approach me with her judgmental attitude about you know, how I live? And I walked away angry and proud. Told five people how outrageous she'd behave. She is such a judgmental person. <laughs> and then after about a week, I was sitting there and I suddenly thought, she's right. She is right. I'm living a life of complete inconsistency. I need to change something. And you know, that's one of the most helpful conversations I ever had with another person. The most helpful ways someone just gently reached into my eye and helped nudge the speck out of it. And you know what? To me, it felt like judgment, but it was all love. Sometimes judgment. Sometimes a real love feels like judgment, but it's still love. And you know, if we're going to see the city transformed, if we're going to see our workplaces changed, our relationships transformed, we can't do it on our own. We need each other. We need to take a lead, to help each other. Not to wash our hands of each other and say, well, you know, you do you, off you go, make your mistakes, but to come alongside each other. To help each other grow so that people start to look at us, look at our church and say there is something different about these people. They don't judge but they love me in a way I've never experienced before. They don't condemn me but they are fully committed to me. They're not self-righteous but they seem aware in some way, of how much they've been forgiven. They don't look like hypocrites. There's an integrity about the way they live. I want to be with them. I want to learn from them. I want to connect with them. And you know, this is happening already. I was in my Alpha group on Wednesday night, and a couple of people were just saying how they came to come on Alpha. One person said, well, you know, I I was invited. That was the most important thing, I guess. Someone actually invited me. But I get invited to lots of things. But I'd always noticed That there was something different about the life of the person who invited me. There was something different about that. The quality of their personal relationships. The way they treated people. The compassion they showed. The fact they weren't judgmental. But were encouraging. Came alongside people. And I just thought, I just want to see what makes this person different. So I'm going to come along. And that's what happens as the Holy Spirit starts to stir us and shape us and help us and reveal our specks and our planks. It frees us to lead with humility and engage with grace. And then the Spirit of God just enables us to be more like Jesus, to represent Jesus to this city. Jesus who... Though he was the only person who's ever lived, who knew everything about everyone he met, who saw everyone with 20-20 vision, all of the good, all of the bad, all of the joys, all of the disappointments, all of the hopes, all of the kind of despair, who saw everything they had been through and yet had compassion on them and longed to draw them close to God. Jesus, who... You know, he wasn't judgmental. Who didn't condemn? Who challenged, but who challenged the proud and unsettled the self-righteous? But comforted the lowly and brought peace to the distressed. Who drew near to the outcast? Who spoke for the voiceless? Who saw those who thought they were invisible and came alongside them? Who had compassion on the poor and the vulnerable? Who longs to bring good fruit out of our lives? To help our hearts to grow, to be shaped in such a way that good comes out of our lips, in our conversations, in our workplaces, in our families, in our friendships. So that we might see our relationships transformed. We might cheer each other on as we seek to see the name of Jesus, His name and His renown, the name of Jesus lifted high again in our church, in our city, and right across this nation. In Jesus name. Amen. I'm Bear Grylls. My favorite way to start the day, the Bible in one year. That's how wild I am. Find out more at Bibleinoneyear.org or download the Bible in One Year app.